There are a few statements that you can make to another person that could evoke more, more of an extreme, polarizing set of possible responses than this statement. Tell me about your mother. Right? Because the answer to that might be full of reverence and respect and affection. And then it can be full of pain and, and, and exasperation, or it could be full of sorrow and ache. And sometimes that kind of statement can come from the same person, can't it? Because mothers have such a, a broad expanse of impact in our lives. I heard one mother who said that she described herself and said, I walk a fine line between super fun mom and kind of psychotic, maybe we should call the authorities mom. And uh, it's probably for this reason that there's, there's probably no one in our lives who have had uh, a longer effect and maybe even a more profound effect in who we are and where we've been and what we feel and what we remember and what we think on us than the one that many of us call mother. Now, whether you are a mother here today, whether you want to be and you're not able to be or aren't yet, or whether you have lost one, or maybe you have one, the fact is that you are impacted, we are impacted by the whole just realm of motherhood. And, and it's fascinating that God, who calls himself our father, still regularly invokes a word picture to describe how he feels and what he thinks and what he does with us. And often, very often, he will pull that word picture out of our lives and say, okay, let's talk about your mother, and that's how I'm going to relate to you. For some of us, we go, please don't do that. And yet, whether it's a positive association or a less than positive association, it's an impactful association. So we're going to take a look at some of the things that God has to say about that today. And here's what we're going to see. that God, We will learn something about God by thinking about mothers. And we will learn something about mothers by thinking about God. Got your Bible? If you have one, take a look in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to show you several passages in the book of Proverbs, show you some others. Proverbs chapter 1. To start, Proverbs 1. And we're going, to, we're going to take a look at a handful of statements that are going to be used, that God's going to use to describe both motherhood, mothers, and he's going to describe himself to bridge that gap to help us get a picture about what we learn about each from them. So you ready? Here's, here's something that we learn when we see what God says about it, about both those entities in our lives. Here's, here's the first one. They know far more than they're initially given credit for. Now, in Proverbs chapter 1, the book Proverbs is, is a wisdom book. It's, it's a very, very practical book. And God puts it in his word for us to say, look, I want to, I'm going to tell you how real life works. You want to know how real life works? You need, you need wisdom is the word he uses. Chase after it. Make wisdom your pursuit because wisdom will guard your life. It'll make things better for you and find wisdom. And he's going to tell us where to find wisdom. He's going to use both mothers and fathers and himself as a source of that. And if you look at uh, Proverbs 1 verse 2, it says the whole purpose of this is for attaining 
wisdom and discipline and understanding words of insight, acquiring a discipline and prudent life, doing what, what's right and just and fair, giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding these things. Sayings of the wise. All right, so God's saying, you want wisdom? All right, now he talks about the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. And then look at what he says in verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. There'll be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. He, he immediately evokes this picture. He says, you want wisdom? Okay, listen, pay attention to your father and pay attention to your mother. She's a source of wisdom. Mothers know far more than they're initially given, given credit for because if you're like me, there are sometimes I don't give them credit at all. Especially at a certain age, I didn't give my mother credit for knowing anything. It seemed like everything that she said was irrational or ridiculous or extreme. It's like she didn't, I, can't, I don't know how many times she, I said, you don't understand me, you don't understand life, you don't get it at all. There's, there's this just stuff that comes out of the, their mouths that they say. Like, for instance, they would say stuff that I would, my mother would say stuff that I'd say, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. She would say, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. And I go, if you don't want me crying, why would you give me something to cry about? That, you, don't, you make no sense, woman. She, she, just natural stuff. She said, beds are for sleeping, not for jumping. Who, said, who wrote that rule? Why would they make them so springy and soft and fun? She, she would tell me, I don't know is not an answer. Well, yes, it is. I just gave that as an answer. Did you not understand? I don't know. That's not an answer. It's not acceptable. She said, your face is going to freeze like that. I said, what? Where's this coming from? Show me the scientific evidence. I've never seen anybody who's walking around going, what happened? I was five years old. It never happened. If all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? First of all, all my friends would not jump off a cliff. Secondly, of course I wouldn't jump off a cliff. What does it have to do with me wanting to go down and fishing by the creek for an hour? I don't get it. I walked around saying, my, my, my mother doesn't understand anything. You do not. It, it is the laws of nature that would tell you that you do not spend good money and get the greatest Halloween costume in, of Batman and then make your kid wear a jacket over it. You, did you ever see Batman wearing a jacket? <laughs> Completely irrational. And, and my mother would say stuff. I would come home from school and I'd tell her about these things that happened and bullies and all this kind of stuff. And my, it happened all the time. My mother would say, oh, you know what you should have said? And then she would give me something that I should have said in that moment. And it was the most inane statement. Yes, I'm in middle school, and there's these kids around me, and they're calling names at me, and I should have said, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me. That's what I should have said. That would have gotten me beat up and thrown in a dumpster. So I walked around for years saying, they, you don't, you're out, they, don't under, they don't understand, they're out of touch. And then you re- begin to realize something. As there's this weird thing about mothers that they possess this savvy that we can't explain 
we can't comprehend. It, they got this, it's something that happens. There's this mom radar that gets embedded in a mom that I don't know when, how it starts. But, but am I, so, so that a mother has this innate ability, a mother's universally have this. They can be in one room of the house with doors closed and a television on and another floor and they can know exactly what their kid is doing. I walk, I, this is no kidding. I walk in after school one day. My, my mother's in another... I never even lay eyes on her. I walk through. I just walk through the kitchen and there's a plate of brownies sit, sitting there. And I look at him and I go, oh, cool. And I get to... And I get literally to touch the brownies. And from some far off corner of the universe, a voice calls out and goes, those brownies are for supper. Don't touch them. Like... Where is this coming from? This this ESP that they've got. I, I don't. But it'll make you paranoid, right? Because all, all of a sudden they know this stuff. Turn the light off when you get out of the bathroom. How, and I'm like, how did she know that I didn't turn the light off? And this is the weirdest thing because then I go and I marry a woman, and I don't see any signs of this radar. And she gives birth, and suddenly she's got it. And it doesn't work on the children, and it, wor- it works on me, too. I, there was a day, I came home, I stopped, I wasn't even supposed to do this. I was in between meetings, I was driving, and I was, happened to be passing by where, near our house. I thought, oh, you know what, it's, I didn't have any lunch plans. I'm going to go home, and I'm just going to get something. I walk in, and nobody's home. I walk in, and everything, you know, there's, there's a kitchen, and that kitchen, now I'm, I'm not trying to be sex or anything, but that kitchen in our house, it is property of the female of the house. You mess anything up in there, and you, there is hell to pay. I'm telling you that... Okay, but so I go in, I think, oh, I'm just going to try to make a sandwich or something. And I look around, I go, oh, man, I can't make one false move. Okay, so, so I'm, I, I, I carefully, I watch where I get everything. I take the bread out and I get stuff and a little bit of sli- one of those slices of cheese and, and, I, and I'm ham sandwich. And then I, I eat it and I take care, and I don't even use the utensils. And I put the napkin in my pocket and I wipe everything down. I walk out. Later on, I, I come in at the end of the day, I walk in, I go, hello, hello. She goes, oh, you stopped in for lunch, huh? <laughs> how, how do you know? Uh, and, well, oh, that's good. You had a ham sandwich. That's good. You, I had a ham sandwich? She goes, you could have used the American cheese instead of the cheddar cheese. I'm like, what? Where is this coming from? Are there, you know, but it's weird how they just all of a sudden know things. They're, they're aware and they know what you've been up to. They can, they can feel it when something's wrong. Guys, t- teenagers, I got to tell you this. You think you're getting away with stuff right now? They're just choosing not to tell you that they know everything. Later on, five, ten years from now, you come back and talk, you talk to your mom and you say, you know, I got to tell you something I did because I just feel guilty about it. Oh, I do all about that. And she's right. It's, they, they, have, they see through this. And there's no CSI lab. They're not testing it. They just know. They say they know your motives too. See, my mother used to tell me, see, no one knows you like I do because you were formed inside me. And so when you feel, I feel, and it still happens. Oh, they cut an umbilical cord, but there's another invisible thing going on. And my mother used to tell me, especially when I was a teenager, she used to tell me what my motives were for doing stuff. It ticked me off. You always t- she said, you're doing that because you're, you just want... A selfish end. You just want that to happen. I'd say, I do not. And she'd say, Oh, you do. And I, and I would, and then I got all grandiose on her. I'd say, How dare you judge my motives? 
what I'd say is, you, you don't know my, you don't know me and you don't know my motives. And God tells you not, yeah, God, yeah, God tells you not to judge. And you're judging my heart. And that's all I'm saying. On the inside, you know what I'm thinking? How in the world does she know exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing? They know, they know what things mean. They have the sense of discernment. They know, and they know how a course will turn out. It is so, you ever been, in a large place where there's a lot of mothers, like in the mall in one of those play areas or something. And kids are all over the place, and moms are there and stuff. And, there's, and, cr- and kids are crying. You know, they, there's little yelps and cries and stuff go out. And you can be, you see these yelps and cries, and everything's just buzzing. And then a kid, all of a sudden, one kid will yelp, but there's a certain tone to that yelp. And every mother will stop and look and see if they can help, because that's the yelp that means that kid actually is hurt. And I'm, a, I'm like a dork dad. I go, I don't know, it's tibia sticking out, but I, I, other than that, I didn't have any clue. I, I, how, does, how does that happen? There's just this thing that, that they can do. Most of what mothers, I'll tell you this, most of what my mother warned me a course would be for one of my friends or myself, when I, as ridiculous as I said it was, it turned out to be so. Most of it turned out to be true. They know things far more than we give them credit for. And eventually, what happens is is we're phenomenon where we begin to recognize that, and it's like osmosis. All of a sudden, we start to become them. We start to reflect the same kinds of things. We, we start adopting the same stuff. And like somebody said, sometimes I open my mouth and my mother comes out. My, my mom used to sing this song. We, we'd be driving and we'd get home and we'd pull up in front of our home. And my mom would always say this thing. Oh, she'd go, she'd say, home again, home again, hippity hop. And I'm like, you are so weird. <laughs> where, where, where's that from? I don't know where it's from. It's just home again, home again, hippity hop. Okay. I, I, like, I just want to get as far away from you as I can. And doggone it. I mean, this just happened. Like, I've, my kids are almost grown, you know, like, I, and, and I pull up in front of the house, and all of a sudden I go, home again, home again, hit me, ah, ah. What? It just seemed like the appropriate thing to say. The longer we go, the more we realize that there's a way that life works that we don't understand. And God has put instruments in our lives to help us understand how life works. And we don't recognize it at first, but the more, if we do recognize it, it's called wisdom. And wisdom comes out even from some of the most unwise mothers. Now, you got, still got Proverbs? Just flip to Proverbs 6, and you'll see a very similar statement made. Verse 20. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Isn't it funny? It's your father's commands, and it's your mother's teaching. Your dad, your dad will say, look, don't touch the hot stuff. Got it. But your mother will say, look, this is how women work. Ooh, need to learn that one. Don't forsake her teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light and the corrections of discipline are the way to life. Now, God takes that picture. And he uses that word, word analogy and he says, you know how mothers are, can be like that? Understand something about your God. 
That's how he is too. Because that same wisdom in Proverbs 1, 7 said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, yet fools despise wisdom and discipline. He parallels the two. There's teaching that comes from your mother that gives you wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let that be a lesson to you about me, God says. You may, not, you may think that you got an idea about what, what you know. But like he says in another place, there's a way that seems right to us, a man, but the way to, of it leads to death. So where do you turn to the way of life? This is the way. God says that that's true about him. You need wisdom, God says, in the same way you could get it from your parents. Look at James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without fault and it'll be given to him. There's a parallel between our good mother and what she knows, how we can glean wisdom from it and, and how God has said, I got a way for life too. Don't neglect it. Learn from it. That's where wisdom's found. There's a second trait that's true of both of them. They exhibit extreme levels of love's best qualities. I mean, it's, it's not a hard thing to hear people say that no one loves a child like a mother loves a child, okay? It's, songs get sung about it, and it gets kind of romanticized, and it's not always true, but, but it tends to be what we recognize. And here's what happens when we see a model for us that we know mothers love us, and sometimes they just love us, they mother us to annoying degrees, right? Just like, okay, could you stop smothering me with all this? That's how it feels. And, and they're just, they love their children so much that this has happened, and no, not, nothing about anybody in the room, I'm not sure it's never happened among any of you, but they have a, a woman has a baby, and in her mind, she knows there are lots of beautiful babies in the world, but this really, really is the most beautiful baby that has ever existed. They honestly believe that, and they'll present them. Tim Allen, the comedian, used to say that, yeah, women will go around and she's like a, a mother hen and all the other mother hens again. All they do is go, they're just showing the babies. Our, our children are, are, the mother's child is the most gifted child. Can I just, if you, when you write your Christmas letters, could you just cut about a four-fifths of the bragging out about your child? Because I'm going to say this gently. We don't really care. But they, mothers can't help themselves because my child's special. They're, they smiled in ways no other child in the history of mankind has ever smiled. They said this thing. Oh, they said this thing. And it was so much cuter than all the other you know, average children say. It's just, it's, it just comes out. Because they're just so... There's, it, just, it spikes the levels of what they're feeling. And they ha- helicopter and hover over their kids... And some of you are hovering over these guys right here in ways that are just driving them up the wall. See, because, see, here's the thing. There's no off switch to being a mother. I mean, this is just a fact of nature. When a mother becomes a mother, she's a mother. Even if she loses her children, if even if her children move away, even if she's estranged from them, she's now got the mother thing going, and you can't turn it off. I've heard this phenomenon, and I want to say this carefully, that if there's a bunch of nursing mothers around and one of their babies cries, all the mothers begin to, their bodies begin to prepare to feed the child. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. It's just this weird thing that happens. People, people don't stop mothering ever. My, my grandmother, 
one day was driving down the street. If you heard the story before, forgive me, but she, she's driving down the street and she comes, it's down a side street, and she's on her way home and then she sees about a five-year-old child playing and the child's playing right smack in the middle of the street. Five years old, you should know better. She looks around, there's nobody else around. She stops her car in the middle of the street. She gets out, she walks over to that child, little boy, she scolds him. She says, bend over. And she whack. She gives him a whack. You, you should not be playing in the street. And he's like, who are you? And, and, and she, she, where do you live? He points up to the house. She marches him up to the house. She knocks on the door. And the kid's mother comes. She's like, oh, what's going on? Your son was playing in the street. She whacked me. And my grandmother said, yep. And if I see him playing in the street again without supervision, I'm coming to whack you next. That's what she said. And she would be arrested for that now, in this day and age, right? She couldn't stop being a mother. I was 47 years old going back to my old neighborhood in New York City with my brother. I'm going to walk through and I'm on the phone to my mother saying, oh, we're going to check here. And she goes, and she starts to give me all the warnings. Now, remember that one area is really bad. Don't go over. I'm like, mom, I'm a grown man. You don't stop being a mother. Here's, here, here's Isaiah 49. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Oh, though she may, even if she would forget, I, God says, will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. You never stop being a mother. And because of that, Mothers possess this just enormous levels of love and the way that love is displayed. No one, no one comforts better than a mother can comfort. It, when First Thessalonians, Paul writes and says, he, he writes this to the, the people of Thessalonica and he's, and he's describing how he was among them. He says, when we were around you, we were gentle among you. And he invokes this picture. Of all the pictures he can come up with, he says, it's like a mother who cares for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you'd become so dear to us. No one comforts like a mother. A, 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 a child gets hurt and a dad says, ah, oh, walk it off, walk it off, rub some dirt on it. And a mother knows or has the capacity to be gentle in that kind of way, to calm. No one can calm a child usually like its mother, generally. And God uses that word picture in Psalm 131. The psalmist says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Let me here's the picture he comes up with then. I've stilled and quieted my soul. I, I, I'm gentled about my life and the upheaval in it. What, how, what's happened? I've been calmed by it. And this is how he says it. Uh, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child. Satisfied with its, what its nutrients have been. Is my soul within me? No, no one comforts more. You get, so that Proverbs, Proverbs 31, last proverb, is the one that's got the, uh, you know, the wife of noble character kind of thing in it. And it describes her as a mother, and it says something that shows you that no one, no one works harder for her family than a good mother. Proverbs 31, verse uh, 15. 
She gets, up while, she gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family, portions for her servant girls. Then it goes out and says how she makes, she does business and she does all that. She works with her hands and it just continues on. In verse 27, it says, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. The old expression is a father works from son to son, son up to son down. A father works from son to son, but a mother's work is never done. And that tends to be true. Jane Selman, an author, wrote, she said the phrase, working mother is a redundancy. I saw this uh, cartoon. It said if, if mothers kind of applied for motherhood at Motherhood, Inc., and you went to the HR department, and you heard about what the requirements were and what, how, how the working conditions were, and in it, this, the applicant says this. says, wait, one vacation day a year? That's all I get? And the person says, well, we call it Mother's Day. But technically, you still have to work. Any of you who are mothers who had your little preschoolers get, give you breakfast in bed know that that did not actually make your day easier. <laughs> no one works harder than a mother. And no one sacrifices more of, their, of themselves, of their own vitality than a mother. All these things, by the way, comfort and, and, and work and sacrifice are expressions of love. I saw a picture. I was sitting looking at pictures with my mother once, and her, she had a sister, and she had a young picture of my Aunt Joyce. And I looked at it. Aunt Joyce was like, I mean, she almost looked like a model in this picture. She was young and attractive and vibrant. And I, and I said, who is that? She goes, that's your Aunt Joyce. And my memory of my Aunt Joyce, my picture of Aunt Joyce was like kind of, Haggard and tired and disheveled. And I, that's just, I said, that's Aunt Joyce? And I just kind of said, I said, what happened to her? <laughs> and my mother turned and she said, motherhood happened to her. They sacrifice th- themselves. They're, they're, I, I, I read this thing that if... if on Mother's Day, we should consider that mothers should just buy cards for themselves, maybe to, or, or maybe it's cards to give to their children to say what they really think. Okay? And so here's, here's what I thought was the best one. If, so if, a, if this is a Mother's Day card that a mother buys to give to her children, and it says this, Because of you, I sometimes pee when I sneeze, <laughs> or cough, or laugh. Happy whoop-de-doo Mother's Day to me. They, they sacrifice. And you know what? No one has a capacity to instill things in the heart of another person like a mother. In First Timothy, Paul wrote this. He says, I've, I've been reminded of your sincere faith. He writes to Timothy, and he talks about where his faith came from. He commends him for, for how he grew in his faith, and he says, here's what happened to you, Timothy. I, you have this faith that came to life in you. And it says, and it first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. That heritage that comes from that came from a mother. And God uses that picture to kind of illustrate the, the extreme, extravagant levels of love that he pours out on us. He, he, he evokes that and says, watch what a mother does, and you'll get a picture 
of how much I love you. This is Isaiah 66. This is what uh, God, God says it to his people, the people of Israel. This is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river. This is how he's going to comfort them and draw them back from exile, how he's going to redeem them. He's going, he's going to make things right for them. He's going to extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You'll, you'll nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. That's the picture he uses. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. You see the last part? No, you know what, how he says how people protect their young? It's a, like a mother bear, right? It's a mama bear. It's not a papa bear. He might be fearsome, but you don't mess with the mama. God has that same, same picture. He says, my fury will go against those who oppose you, but you, I'm going to just bounce you on my knee i'm going to hold you like a mother cares for her children there's a there's a patience that god has for you and for me there's a protection that he has there's a sacrifice that he's given i mean think about it for god so loved the world that he gave his son the ultimate sacrifice god like a mother would sacrifice anything to protect its child you hear about mothers just recently in earthquakes who were found dead hovering over a living infant to protect them. And God says, see that picture? That's the kind of sacrifice. I understand how much I love you far more than a mother. But use that picture to understand that I have sacrificed my own living son, my only son, so that you could be spared. The care, the way he serves, the, the gentleness, First Thessalonians she says, we were gentle among you, and here it is the picture again, like a mother caring for her little children. That's true of mothers, good mothers, and it's also true of God. Here's another thing that's true of both. They prod and stimulate their children toward their best. No one can get under your skin like your mom sometimes. No one could push you in ways to get to you like a mother. And for a lot of us, we grow up resenting that, right? We feel like the standards they hold are so ridiculous that they're unattainable. And sometimes they are. Sometimes mothers are flawed. But, but, there's, but there's, you know, you can clean your house, but there's the question, is your house mom clean? That's, oh, that's a whole different level. Some of you had your mothers coming to town for the weekend. Did you clean differently? Oh, come on. So a whole lot of you did because it's, it might be clean, but it's not mom clean. That's a different level. I've never understood it. And it actually happened to me, the, the old joke, where they say, your mother says, do you have your clean underwear on? You got to have your clean underwear on. Because if you get in an accident and they break, take you to the hospital and they put you in an ambulance, you better have clean underwear on. I'm thinking, I'm in an ambulance and that's what you're worried about? Well, I got little stains in my underwear now. What about the limb that's hanging off? I can't live up to that standard. Mothers can be the queens of uninvited opinions and unsolicited advice. And, and they make these, these bold statements about, you know, uh, uh, they, they, they're going to they, so, prod you and stimulate you, and they'll make these threats, boy, to get you to understand how you better up your game. And you may have heard some. I mean, I, these are literal ones uh, that I heard. I brought you into this world. And I can take you out of it. 
Now, she, is she really going to do that? No, but boy, I mean, that, that's, she's pulling out the, the heavy artillery. I will stop this car right here in the middle of the street. Oh, you will not. But I'm not sure I want to take that chance. Completely un, untrue statements like, I will treat you like an adult when you start behaving like an adult. Okay, sorry, that, they will not do that. You, you can even start, you can have little glimpses of behaving your adult, they'll start going to teach you like, treat you like their kid. I still get treated like the kid, okay? Just know, it's just a ploy to try to get you to up your game. If you don't clean your room, all this stuff is going to be in the trash tomorrow. All of it. If you act like the devil, I'm going to beat him out of you. She was never successful at that one. And, and, and the, the biggest lie I heard, which was just to get me to up my game, and just the biggest threat was, I am not going to tell you this again until three minutes from now when you haven't complied. If that was true, by about the time I was eight years old, my mother would not have anything left to, sell, to correct me about because she would have said everything that could be corrected. So they get on our nerves with these ridiculous, impossible standards. But see, their prods and their stimulations are what elevate us, what develop us, what advance us. This is a really interesting story. It's about, in John chapter 2, about the first miracle Jesus did, which was turning water into wine, right? But if you read the story, he's at the wedding feast, and they're serving wine, and they're out of wine, and there's this interesting little exchange that I've always found kind of fascinating because his mother is there and they're out of wine. And his, if you read in John chapter 2, she just kind of looks over and she goes, hey, um, they're out of wine. Like, you know, time for you to do something. And Jesus has a response to that. And he, he looks like he goes, what, what, why are you messing with me is kind of how it, what, what do I have to do with you is how it, it's well, like. And then he says, my time hasn't yet come. Okay, I, there's a plan. Okay, but it, it doesn't have to happen now. And the response that happens in the very next thing, I, it's like she, she, he has this little exchange and she turns and she talk, turns to her and she goes, whatever he asks you to do, do it. And, and I can almost picture it. Jesus goes, mamma mia. He, uh, he's... Okay, bring the and he turns the water into wine. Now, I don't understand everything that's going on in that, but what I do see is that a mother has an impact on her child to say, you have the capacity to do something. How about doing it? Okay, Proverbs 31. Are you still in Proverbs 31? Very famous proverb, right? Because it's the, the wife of noble character, and she has all these amazing things that she can do. And it's written by a guy named Lemuel, as, and who had become the king. And he's describing some things about this, this woman of, uh, that, who's worthy to be lifted up. He's, he's, he's talking about what, what she does in his life. But he also includes some advice that's given to him as the king. And if you start in verse 2, it says, O, o my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for kings to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. 
So you give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish, let them drink and forget their poverty, remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Okay, that's all advice to the king. This is before it talks about this woman who is really worth paying attention to. Do you know where all that advice comes from? Look at verse 1. The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Do you know that all the stuff about the Proverbs 31 woman came from this guy's mother? This is who a woman you should honor. This is who you should look for. She raises the bar for him. All those instructions are for him as the king. Hey, look, be a good king. Here's some stuff you've got to remember to do. She, she's challenging him. She's prodding him. It comes from his mother. The push toward the best version of yourself starts with generally with your mother when i was just going to start dating i was about nine no i'm so my mom and and but i wasn't driving yet i was going to go out on my first date it was a middle school dance with a with a girl named betsy ross that was just a whole other story and so i had to get a, a ride to the dance and so my my, my mother or my father were going to drive me and we're going to go pick up Betsy and get the flag and then head on over. And, and my mother says, okay, look, she sits me down and she says, look, a gentleman always goes to the door. A gentleman always greets the parents of his date. And a gentleman always opens the door for a lady. And I said, you are a freak. Mom, sorry. No, here's what I meant by that. Nobody does that anymore. This is a liberated society. That's a sexist thing to do. You don't do that to girls anymore. They resent it. And she goes, you want to go on a date? You want me to drive? You're going to the door and you're opening the doors. You're going to walk her to the door to say goodnight. You're going to open the door for for her to go in where she's going. Got it? And from that moment, when I started dating, I mean, and of course, they're driving me, so she's watching and, you know, don't mess. So I open the door and close the door and I walk her to the door and all the gentlemanly stuff. And I'm thinking, this is so ridiculous. And then it started this process that all through my dating, it started to get embedded in me. That's just what you do. Now, fast forward. I'm in college. And this, there's this really, really cute babe. And she's got literally a half a dozen guys who have asked her out and they're kind of stacked up waiting in line to, to go out with her. And I ask her out. She can't go out because she's got all these other guys. And finally, she says, well, just keep asking. That was good, okay. And I did, and she found a date that was open. And I go on that date. I take her out, and I just do what I have come, become normal to do, right? I find out later that she decided to go out with me again because there's something different about that day than all the others. And she said, you know, she told people on her hallway, I went out with that guy, and he was a gentleman. Like, he treated me like I was special. He opened the doors for me. I want to tell you that I scored my wife because of my mother. 
because somewhere in her imperfections, she still had a role in my life that she prodded me and stimulated me toward higher standards. She knew I could be, she wanted me to be my best self. And when God talks about what he does, look what he says in Philippians 1. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you, okay, that's the God who rescues you from sin. He doesn't just give you new life and eternal life through his son Jesus so you don't go to hell. He has a plan for your best self, a character that would reflect his qualities. And the one who began the good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, this is my prayer, that, you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth, and, and depth of insight. And he goes on to say that, more, more about that. See, this is what God does. God takes you where you are, you are, but he loves us too much to just let you stay there. And that's why for some of us in the room, you've felt yourself being poked and prodded by God and you don't like it very much. He won't let you forget certain things. He nags at you. You feel some guilt on, or conviction over some things. And God is very gently poking you more because he says, oh, I got a picture of what you can be and I'm going to take you there. It's who I am. It's what I do. And that picture starts... It's, it's exemplified for us by, by looking at what we see in our own mothers. And because of that, and, and by the way, some of us, some of you right now, you're resisting God doing that, okay? It happens. But understand, when God's doing that in your life, when he's making things unsettled, when he's make, stretching you, when he's stretching your faith or your patience or he's making you frustrated, he's, he, it's his instrument to prod you to be all that he created you to be. He's not going to stop until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, because of all that, here's one more statement. Here's just very quickly. This is what's true then. Because of all that, they deserve to be honored. Both God and the picture he uses, mothers. You know that the Ten Commandments have this statement. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians chapter 6 expands that, not just to the nation of Israel, but to everyone that says, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with the, with the promise that it may be go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Okay, yes, we know this is true, that God calls us to leave our father and mother and cleave to our spouse. There's a separation that needs to happen. As we grow into adulthood, we need to change so we no longer obey everything our parents say. They don't rule over us. There's something wrong if we let them dictate our lives to us. Yes, that needs to transition. But even though we don't necessarily obey them anymore, even though necessarily we don't cleave to them anymore or we don't depend on them anymore, we're still called to honor them. And very simply, to honor them is give them a reason to be proud. That's what Proverbs 10 is saying. Just one, one or two more to look at here. Give them, look at Proverbs 10. It says it in this poetical Hebrew poetry kind of way where it, talks, it juxtaposes mothers and fathers, but it's basically talking about your parents. And it says... Uh, Proverbs 10.1. The Proverbs psalmist says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. It gets repeated similarly in Proverbs 15. Basically saying, look, if you show wisdom in your life, you honor them. If you don't, you dishonor them. Give them reason to be proud. Give them a reason to feel joy, even if they don't choose to, even if they don't extend it to you, even if they're, they're not perfect in how they are approaching you. You can give them that reason and articulate blessings on them for the part that you can. At the end of Proverbs 31 is, again, the very famous one about the... the it says uh, that women are dis, uh, 
charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she's earned. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Verse 28 says, her children arise and call her blessed. J.K. Simmons, who won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, had a, a very famous now accepted speech just a couple months ago where he said, and he said, and if I may, he says, call your mom. Remember, Did you, some of you saw that. Call your mom, everybody. He said, I've told this to like a billion people. Call your mom, call your dad. If you're lucky enough to have a parent or two alive on this planet, call them. Don't text them, don't email them. Call them on the phone, tell them you love them and thank them and listen to them as long as they want to talk to you. Okay. That's how we honor them. And God uses that parallel to say, in the same way mothers can be honored we can honor him. We give him a reason to be proud. We rise up and call him blessed. You want to know the best way? The best way to honor your mother this Mother's Day? Honor her maker. Bring praise to her maker. Follow him. Trust him. Obey him. Because you know what? That's what a godly mother wants more than anything for Mother's Day anyway. Pray with me. And then we're going to worship some more. Thank you, God, for the mothers represented here, some who have gone on to heaven or left us. Some of them have been better than others at showing your character but you still have used them to be an example that we can learn from. And right now I want to ask you that you, would, uh, that you would bring honor to the mothers in our lives, whether we have one still, whether we are one, whether, whether it's the memory of one. Would you bring honor to them and help us to honor them? And then we pray that that would just be an example that would allow us to turn to you and say, we want to honor you as somebody who loves us exponentially better but uses that as an example to show us how much you love how much you lead us that picture of a mother to a child you extend us in its purest form and we want to honor you we want you to be proud we want you bring joy to you help us to turn to you to invite you into our lives and say lead on as our parents and we want to bring honor to you even now as we worship again hear us god hear us so that we do Learn the lessons we learned the last few weeks about entering your presence and saying words from our hearts of worship. Make these things true and be honored even in what we say now. We pray through your son, Jesus.